This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. So today is the fourth part in the series that we have been doing on the book of Thessalonians. So it's the fourth part, but we're on chapter three. Hallelujah. So um just want to say some things um in the next one hour thereabouts um chapter three verse one says so when we could stand it no longer we thought it best to be left by ourselves in athens we sent timothy who is our brother and co-worker in god's service in spreading the gospel the gospel in spreading the gospel of christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one will be unsettled by these trials for you know quite well that we are destined for them praise god <laughs> praise jesus apostle paul says something very interesting here so first of all um there's a trend in the in the in this letter in this epistle Paul and Timothy and the people with him were so concerned about the stability of these people that they kept, you know, they were so worried for them that they actually sent Timothy back to them to go and check, to go and check because he left these people with certain trials. He left these people with certain temptations. They were in a set, like, you know, like read in chapter 2 talked about how that they were being persecuted just like even the christians in jerusalem were also persecuted just like they did you know like just like they've always done and so he left them in that context where these guys just got saved and they were in the heat of persecution and so paul was so concerned about their faith that he sent timothy back to go and check on them to be sure that they were stable in christ to be sure that they were still stable in christ and this is extremely important. Like I said earlier, like I said last week, and I also been saying earlier, the, one of the major KPIs for a local church or for the church is to deepen the convictions of people, is to ensure that the faith of the people in Jesus and what he has done remains strong. Because there's a real danger. We can argue, we can argue semantically and all that. And because I'm becoming an elderly person, I don't really enjoy arguments as much as before, right? So, you know, we can argue a lot of semantics and all that, but the apostles are clear on something. Apostles tell us something that is very, very clear in their message. You see, let's read to verse 5, then I'll, I'll say what I want to say. Let me start again. It says, it says so when we could stand it no longer, that means the team was hooking us were worried that hey god these people that we preach to are they still do they still believe this thing he said when the thing hooked us to a point we sent timothy who is our brother and co-worker in god's service in spreading the gospel of christ to strengthen and encourage you in the faith this is the job of a pastor. This is the job of the local church to continue to strengthen the faith of people so that their faith does not get weak. That's why it doesn't matter the need that people approach a church with or a pastor with. 
right? Because this is one of the things. When you look at a pastor that you feel like as if in this local church, they are not doing well or their emphasis are wrong and all that, sometimes it's not always the pastor that is a bad person. Let me tell you what happens. Sometimes demand. When people demonstrate that they, they have certain needs and certain demands and they continue to push the pastor in the line of that need that they want, over time, the pastor will just find out that that is what his emphasis has become. Because the people keep demonstrating that that is the need that they have. And so the emphasis of the pastor will now change over time. And I'm speaking as a pastor because I really understand what it means. There is a low-key um, uh, reward system and negative punishments that church members do. There are some messages you preach. Mess and the, the church members will punish you with poor response. They are conditioning you. You don't know. There are some messages you preach. Eh? The way they respond, they will punish you for it. That's this message you preach. We don't like it. So they will not respond well. And then there are some messages you preach. They will now respond well. You are a human being. Do you know what they are doing? They are conditioning you. Before you know it, subconsciously, they, you will find yourself emphasizing those things that they are rewarding you for. That is part of the reason why, uh, what they call it, this prosperity gospel thing, believe. People think that people that focus on prosperity all the time, that they are bad people. They are not bad people. They are, they are, if you go and check, many of them actually love God. They love God. The problem is that the society, the people, the church members are conditioning them. When you preach about how God wants you to be rich and all these kinds of things and go out this week and go and blow, God wants you to take over the seven kingdoms and all that and the seed of one million. You that you are not a full-time pastor, you don't have work and you want to pay school fees. Someone now sow seed of one million. You now preach, you say, you know what, this message has not finished, I'll preach it next Sunday. I'll finish it next Sunday. And then next Sunday, you hit it again. And then, at last, bing, 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 bing. What would you do as a normal human being? What would you do? So, many times, eh, the pastor and the members are complicit in certain things. But you know what? If God has sent you to do a gospel, you will not agree for them. Your job is to stabilize them in the faith. That's what the church of Christ was built to do. To strengthen people in the faith. If your emphasis becomes things that doesn't strengthen people in the faith, your church will just become a breeding ground for future agnostic and atheists. Many of them don't even know whether they believe or not. But they are coming to your church and they are joining the flow. And then something happens to them. They start saying there is no God. That's what's happening. And I say I was once a Christian. Truly and truly, some of those people, you were not once a Christian. That's the truth. Some of them actually never believed. What I have an issue with is people lumping every apostate as people that never believed. It's not fair. I will show you something now. It's not correct to say that from scripture. The scripture does not justify that saying. That they never believed or they still believe. It doesn't justify. You see something now. But truth be told, there are some people that they were never with us. Now that I've come here, I was once a Christian, you can shut up. Do you understand that? But if the church is doing something right, you can actually set up the church to be such a way that it is so focused on that which we are supposed to do that people that are 
children of Satan will find it hard to stay. You won't have mixed multitudes. Do you understand that? That's what happened in the book of Acts chapter 4. Where the Bible said after Peter did some things, eh? The people that were not saved were afraid to come and join them. Only the people that were in church were only those that we knew that were sure were saved. The job of the local church is to continue to deepen and encourage you. The burden on the heart of a pastor should be the people and their faith. Do you understand that? That's why, if, remember what we said in chapter 2 from last, last week. He said, the people's faith, the people's salvation is our hope. It is our joy. It is our crown. That is your KPI. That is what the Lord, you know, has sent us to do. Verse 3. So, um, verse, verse 3. So that no one will be unsettled by these trials, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. This is another thing. Paul tells us something. Everyone that will live godly will face persecution. Everyone that will live godly will face persecution. So listen to me. If you're a child of God and you want to live like a child of God, you are destined for trials. You are destined for... What did I say? You are destined... For, don't even deceive yourself with any kind of uh, faith message of I will confess the trial away, I will confess persecution, I will confess suffering away. Listen, there are different ways that suffering comes in this world, right? There's something I want to preach for you guys on Sunday. The title is By His Stripes. Hallelujah. Ah, by his stripes. That message is supposed to be a camp meeting series. Ah, God. From next year. Praise God. Listen. He said we are destined for persecution. We are going to serve God. Hmm? There are some sufferings that are just there. That will come. And so he recognized this and he says, see, I don't want this thing to be a problem. Look at verse 4. He now says, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well. Did you see that? For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way, the tempter had tempted you and our labors might have been in vain. Paul said, people that had received the gospel and have been saved, he said he was worried, lest the tempter has done something. And the labels will now be in what vain. Is it fair to now say when such people have drawn back from the gospel to say they were never saved? Is it fair to say that? It's not. And is it fair for you to say if they drew back, they are still saved? They just don't know. Is it fair? Paul said in vain. So. If this is the if this is what Apostle Paul is telling us, if this is what Apostle Paul, this is Apostle Paul's burden, this is raw, this is ministry raw without any kind of padding and all that. Paul is telling us, see, you guys will believe some things will happen. I'm worried that you guys will reject what you once believed. And my job, what the Lord will ask me about, is that you know that's why Christian universalism does not work. Christian universalism is like that fine girl that you are looking at on the side, that you are eyeing, that you just know that, man, this baby is fine. If I get together with this baby, I go get good time, man, I go enjoy myself. Or you just know in real life that it cannot work. 
You know, Christian universalism is like a logic point. You will be looking at it to be like, oh my, I just wish this thing was true, man. Like, you'll just be fantasizing about it, but it's not true. The only way to look at this scripture and assume universalism that, yeah, don't worry. It's, it's the only way is if you're not reading it in English or you're not reading it as it is and you want to use a style to interpret it in another way. There's no way. See, there's something called in vain. <laughs> There's something called what in vain is here. Don't worry, you will see chapter 4 and chapter 5. Right? You will see. If it was true, if Paul believed like those guys are claiming that everybody will still be okay, everybody will still be fine at the end of the day, kineko, kineko, will Paul be so scared that even with persecution, he will now be risking Timothy's life to go and confirm the faith? Don't worry, just sit down, please. Don't worry. We, if Paul knew that, ah, don't worry. Even if you do not even believe in the first place, it's still sure for you. Will Paul be doing all these things? And you risk your life. You will not be able to sleep because you're not sure some people are still are still in the faith. That is the job of the ministry. To strengthen the faith of people. Hallelujah. Verse 6 now says, But Timothy has just now come to us from you, hallelujah, and has brought us good news about your faith and your love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. This is a beautiful story of Christian love. Ah. It's just that we cannot pray for this kind of suffering just so that we can have this kind of Christian. Look at, look at real Christianity. Verse 7, therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? You understand the Pauline prayers now. The man's deep passion was that God, please let these people see themselves the way you see them. God, please don't let them draw back. God, please let them see the thing that you have put ahead of them so they can keep believing it. God, strengthen their faith. Don't let them go back. Lord, open their eyes. Don't let them go back. This is what the Christian church should be like. People should not be coming to church steadily and their faith is not strengthened. It's not normal. It's wrong. No matter the kind of programs that we're setting up, no matter what it is, and all that, it is the job of a pastor. You know, just as much as you are making sure that because man looks at the outward parts, right? So to make sure that you are not so far from people that people cannot relate. At the same time, you don't let people with their evil heart of unbelief bend you to begin to do ministry wrongly. Do you understand that? On the one hand, you must make sure that you don't lose people, that you are not far from people, that you are not distant from people. But on the other hand, you can't let people use conditioning to make you begin to do things that you should not do. You cannot say because people are responding to relationship message very well. 
because of that, it's only relationship you'll be teaching about. Do you understand that? You can't even say because people respond to emotionalism very well. That because of that moves every time. Shah. You know that one's what happens. Because people on Facebook like it when you say, God says the Lord, I prophesy today I see it in Nigeria. You now say that's your work. That's what's happening to a lot of people. People are actually gravitating the place where they are rewarded. Something I want to say now that will sound okay. I should not say it. I'm tempted to say it. That's why ministry actually requires having a certain amount of disagreeableness. You have to be someone that is willing to not be liked. You have to be someone that is willing for people not to... You have to be okay with it. You have to be okay with it. And that's why I highly suggest... Eh? This is me speaking now, but I highly suggest that pastors should have work. It is important that your means of livelihood is not in the hands of evil people. If your means of livelihood is in the hands of other people, there will be a problem. That's why Paul was telling Thessalonians, when I was among you, I walked with my hands, giving you an example, so that anybody that does not walk, we are going, we are going to come there. Anybody that does not walk will not eat. It is the same way. That's why I want you to walk with your hands, so that you don't need to depend. That's where all that spirit was coming from. So that I don't need you to depend on other people. I don't want you to have to depend on other people. That's where that spirit is coming from. You have to be careful. We have to be careful. It's good that you can tweet what you want because it is God's word. God's word. So that you don't have to be worried that some people will not like you. Praise God. Judge us together. Let's go on. Let's go on. It says, night and day, we pray most earnestly for you that we may see you again. And supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may God our Father, himself and our Lord, Jesus, clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. Now this is something that is very, very important for you to notice that I just wanted to add. For you to understand in your hermeneutic when you are studying the Bible. When a minister is demonstrating his love or his desire for something or for a person the emphasis of that at that time should not make you make an absolute out of it that's one of the reasons that's one of the places where we are fighting unnecessary over some things that we should not fight over right that's one place where we are fighting over some things that we should not fight over for example apostle Paul tells us something here look at the way he's speaking he says, may God our Father and our Himself, our Lord, clear the way for us to come to you. Imagine someone now saying, because God is sovereign and God is omniscient and God is all-powerful, God will always clear the way for you. And if God, the, let, me, let me continue, now say verse 12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. You now see, Paul is saying here that it is God that will make your love to increase. Because God is powerful and he does not need your help to do what he wants to do. God can make your love increase. You understand that? He wants to make an absolute out of this statement. 
verse 13. May he strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our Father and God, our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Do you see that? Apostle, this is what he was saying. He says, may he strengthen your hearts and make you blameless. So Apostle Paul is demonstrating his, he said we have been praying, demonstrating his desire, which is also obviously God's desire for us and God's disposition and what God is willing to do. But all these things that God is willing to do also is in the larger context of the scriptures, which shows that we have to cooperate. We have to receive what God is doing. Imagine someone now looking at this portion of scripture and saying that, God is the one that will make you blameless, whether you like it or not. God is the one that will strengthen your hearts, whether you like it or not. We are not those that draw back from perdition, as if the vast, the statements before it is, does not count. Those statements are a demonstration of God's disposition to us, which always requires our partnership. So you must never look at any local context and make an absolute out of it. The larger context also shows. And what is the larger context? The man, the same man that says, I pray that God will make you blameless and uphold you, is the same man that said, I was worried that if I come, your faith, your faith will have been in vain. It's the same man that said, I'm eager to come to you so that I can supply what is lacking. Do you understand that? Listen to me. The truth is that every Christian believes in eternal security. The point is, the what we differ is which where it, when does it start? If you're a Calvinist or Universalist, your own eternal security starts from before you were born. Do you understand that? If you're a Calvinist or Universalist, you, it starts from before you were born. Before you were born, God already said your eternity, your eternal security is sure. Would that you know? Uh -huh. There are some of us that believe we are not really reformed, but we took that part of reformed doctrine, and we believe that eternal security starts while you are on the earth. Do you understand that? That once you get saved, that's where your own eternal security starts. And then there are some of us that believe that eternal security starts after Judgment Day. When, <laughs> when you are in heaven, because you don't think about it, it's true. We, everybody, because <laughs> because you have to believe in eternal security, because you cannot say you get to heaven and your salvation is not sure. <laughs> That's actually the truth. The question is, when does your own eternal security? When do you believe it starts? Let's not go into argument because we are children of God. But this is the point. Hmm? Apostle Paul is telling us something, that while you are on earth, this faith can be vain. Interpret it anyhow you want that makes you comfortable. It means that we have work to stabilize people because people will draw back. People will draw back. People will forget. People will forget. The minister must not allow people to draw back. So, the gospel of Christ can never become boring. You can never say you have preached it. There was a year where we were just preaching new creation realities. We were just preaching it that year. We were just preaching that year. You know what? 2023, we are going to focus more on how we can... You will keep preaching it because people will forget. That's why Peter will say that I will not stop reminding you so that you can never forget these things. See, people must continue to be reminded that Jesus actually died and rose again. 
You know you can forget. You think you can always remember. But I'm telling you, you can't forget. You must always remember that Jesus actually suffered for our sake. He died. He was buried. And he rose again on the third day. Without any controversy. Without any controversy. He died and he rose again. People saw him when he died. Are you with me? People saw him when he was alive. Jews, Roman pagans, Christians and disciples that followed him. His life on earth was undeniable. The things that he did on earth was undeniable. While he was alive, people like Josephus said there was one guy that was an exorcist. So they knew he was casting out demons. They saw him casting out demons. The disciples saw it and said he was casting out demons. People from outside said it was just an exorcist, just a babalao. People like Suetonius also would say they got, he went to go and get his power from Egypt. Because all those things just show that they could not deny what Jesus did. He died without any controversy. The person that sentenced him to death, like I always say, this is the most unfortunate person in all of human history. They will never forget his name, Pontius Pilate. He actually died. Roman records have it that uh, say he actually died. That he actually existed. That he was in Judea. He was the consul at Judea at the time. Undeniable. That he was buried is undeniable. And that he rose again is undeniable. The atheists have tried to, to, to offer suggestions about how he could have risen again. How it's not possible for people to rise again and all those kinds of things. But guess what? None of it works. So what they are saying now, the current consensus among the top scholars is, we don't know, we shall don't believe. That's where they are now. There is no way to explain how a man's younger brothers that were abusing him when he was alive, all of a sudden after he dies, begin to say that not only have they seen him alive, but they now believe he is God. There is no amount of conspiracy that can ever make Daniel and Joseph to, to say they worship me. There is no nothing. There is no nothing. There is nothing you want to do. Is there any of you that is willing to call your brother God? There is no amount of conspiracy. There is no amount of conspiracy. There is no amount of conspiracy. There is no incentive in this world that can make someone. The Romans, let me tell you some things that you people don't usually understand about. That's why it's good that people study history and all this stuff. The Romans wanted, they believed so much that their culture was the supreme culture. And the truth is that their top senators and generals and all those people actually just wanted to conquer land that will make them rich. But the propaganda they were putting out was that their culture is superior. So they need to share it with the world. <laughs> so they will come to your land, conquer you, and share Roman culture with you so that you can start thinking like them and start behaving like them and all those kinds of things. Now, when you are a very tiny country in Italy, on the Italian peninsula, and then you fight war, 
and conquer so many lands to the point where North Africa is under you, the Mediterranean is under you, Western Europe, down to England, England, Western Europe, you cross the sea, is under you. There's no telephone. It's still horse you used to move around. You know, there's only one way that you can keep those people in line that they don't rebel. It's called carrot and stick. You reward them with great enjoyment for complying. And when they want to rebel, you punish them with supreme violence. The kind of violence that when they see it, their third generation and fourth generation will still be having PTSD. So that they don't think of rebelling. That was the aim of Roman violence. The Romans perfected violence. They, they perfected the ways to torture people so that people don't even think about rebelling. Do you understand the idea of crucifixion? You guys don't understand what crucifixion is. They had this whip called the whip of something that had like three parts. Inside of the whip, they put bone and glass and rocks inside the whip. It now had three long parts. And the whip is long. So when they lash a person with it, the whip wraps the person. Then they pull it. When Isaiah saw ahead that he was disfigured, that we could not recognize him, Isaiah saw Roman torture before it happened. When a person is crucified in Roman culture, you cannot recognize the person's dead body. You understand? You cannot recognize. When they wrap it, they will now pull it. Most people don't survive after flogging. Go and check the Roman history. You see the records. People don't, don't, they, don't they don't survive the flogging. They don't. But you know the thing? Jesus had to survive it. Because he had to land on that tree. Moses has already said it ahead. That if they hang you on a tree, you are cursed. Not only you are you cursed. The land that they hang you on, there's a cost on it. So he had to hang on that tree. He had to hang on that tree. That's why he did not die. They will now flog you. They will now put a cross on your neck. And now carry you from inside town. The headquarters inside Jerusalem. You will now carry it out of the city. Because the place where they hang you is a cross. So they cannot hang you inside the city. Because if they hang you inside Jerusalem, it means Jerusalem is cursed. So they will now take you outside. To where dead bodies are. And then they will now put the person on the rock. You kneel the person the, the, in between the person's two radios and the radios and owner, so he can hang very well. And then they put you up. Now, there's some other things that the Romans did. When they say the Romans perfected torture, <laughs> you don't understand. They hung the person. If you're if you're a medical doctor, you understand. They hung they hung in such a way that when they kneel the leg, they kneel the leg in such a way that the leg is folded like this. Now, for you to be able to breathe and to expand your rib cage to breathe. Hmm? You have to, you can say that your chest has to expand like this. <sighs> now, imagine someone hanging in such a way that your leg is like this, so your chest is like this. Your chest is up like this. So, you can't breathe. So, if you want to breathe, 
you have to use your lower leg to push yourself up to be straight so you can breathe. And it's done in such a way that you will be doing that till you have the last energy in your body before you now die. So these guys, after they are bleeding and tortured, they will be on top of a on top of a cross, using their leg to push themselves to breathe. They will not be doing just so that they can breathe, just so they can breathe. So when I say maybe he did not die. Like maybe Jesus did not die. Maybe he was just severely wounded. And they now hid his body and treated him. Hey, you were injured like that. And after three days, you now came out. Sorry, oh, Iron Man. Oh, so is that the Hulk? <laughs> or is it all? He, was he died. And he was buried. Now, how did you say something that you would have been The Romans perfected have you heard of death by quartering when the romans want to torture a man that leads a, a group of people in rebellion you know what they will do they will say you what we'll do for you is that we'll lock you in a room we'll now start taking pieces of your body small small so today they will come and cut the tip of the finger and go and they'll be feeding you tomorrow they'll come and cut the next half of the finger Day after tomorrow, then they will, when they finish all the fingers, now start cutting the hands small, 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 small. They now stop. Start with the other hand. The legs down. They now be taking pieces of the person small, small till the person dies. When it happens to you in your life, you never rebel. Carthage was causing problems for Rome. This thing that Romans did, they did it to shock their colonies into compliance. Carthage was. Vexing room, vexing room. Rome now somehow managed to get the dimensions of their ships and were able to sail to North Africa to go and fight them. You know what they did? First killed all the men, all the babies, they threw them from the top of the walls. You know what they now did? They went to go and look for all their farmlands and looked for salt and poured it in it. So that after they leave, before you people will be able to even plant food to eat, you will not see. Finish the civilization. The next country, they will say, send tribute. Did not burn any of you to say um, you will you will comply. Those kind of people were living were the ones in charge of the world at the time, and then they will now tell you renounce that you saw Jesus die and rise again. And the person will say, I cannot lie. I said all those things to place context to tell you that when all the apostles None of them changed their testimony that Jesus died and rose again. It is because Jesus actually died and rose again. You need to be reminded of these things. You can't forget. Let's say Jesus died and rose again. Jesus died and rose again. You forget. You know, you must not forget. When we are telling you that none of the apostles, the over 500 people, none that saw Jesus die and rose again, they saw him ascend and the clouds took him went into all the world and they were persecuting them and killing them different kinds of ways it's the romans that put john in hot oil can you imagine that kind of grotesque thing say because somebody's annoying you he's coming up with the religion and the people are not following what all of us are doing say the way we will kill you is that we killed the first one the way we killed him was that we hung him upside down you know what kind of imagination is that now look for a question now say we'll hang you upside down <laughs> 
Which of the apostles did they use horse to pull him? You tie rope on one leg, tie rope on one leg, tie rope on one hand, tie rope on one hand, and they'll flog the horse. The horse will now pull you apart. Look at what they did for Paul. They will tie you to a chariot and flog the chariot, let the chariot be running, and be dragging you on the floor. Not one of them recanted. <laughs> Let me tell you how true their testimony is. That testimony was so true that not only did none of them recount, they were so convinced that no amount of persecution would make them lie. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? You know there's a difference. There's a difference between what we believed, um, you know, what all of us came together and planned a lie. The guy did not really die, but we wanted to start a religion. So we'll tell a lie. That's one thing. It's another thing for something to be actually true. And under torture, you change mouths. You know, that's why they say torture does not work. That anybody will confess to anything under torture. So that thing happens a lot. As policemen, someone will not steal. They will beat the person. The person will not say, I stole. Just stop beating me. These coconut-headed Christians, they didn't tell lies. Say, God, kill me. Kill me. I cannot change what I saw. That is the faith that we have had. And now, this man, now, <laughs> another thing that you can forget is that, of, is what the resurrection means. Sometimes you can forget what the resurrection means. Someone died and rose again. Have you ever seen a dead body before? Someone died and rose again. Before the person died, for years before the person died, the person has been warning you that I will die and I will rise again. Now, if the person died and they used ECG to shock him back, it's a different matter. The person died and he was dead properly for three days after going through a Roman crucifixion. And then he rose again. Now, not only was it not just any random person, it was a person that for three years was blaspheming consistently. He was blaspheming consistently. He was saying, I am the son of man. He called himself the son of man over 70 times. When Daniel was prophesying who the son of man was, he was telling us that the son of man was God. A man who is, because even Daniel did not understand how it would happen. Maybe we'll do some series on those kind of apologetic stuff later. Even Daniel did not understand when he was prophesying. He was saying, I saw a man. But the man was God. But he was a man. But he was God. And I saw angels bowing down to him. But he was a man. But he was... Even Daniel was like, what is going on? And I said, you know what? Let's just call him the words, the son of man. Jesus called himself the son of man 70 times. He said, me and the father, we are one. People will be worshipping him. He'll say, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I always tell you guys. If Jesus refused worship, then Jesus was saying he was not God. Jesus was not, Jesus could not have been humble to refuse worship. People will bow down and worship him. He's God. You cannot say, ah, no, don't worship, no worship, no, don't whine me, don't whine me, let's be humble. <laughs> God must collect his worship. He was blaspheming for three years. Say, God is my father. Me and my father, we are one. We are thinking the same thing. We are one, we are everything. Blasphemy for three years. That same person. If he was a child of Satan, hmm, 
God will have a vested interest in making sure it does not rise again. Not only did he rise again, to confirm that all his blasphemy was not blasphemy, it was real. <laughs> to confirm that everything he was saying was true. Because if he was lying, God would have finished him. The Jews around him, his disciples understood what it meant. That's why they scattered when he died. Because when you are dead, you are gone. The Jews were no stupid people that did not understand what resurrection meant. These people understood what it meant. So after this man has said he is God, God now rules him up as the ultimate vindication of I told you so. He now rose again. He now said all power in heaven and earth has been given to <laughs> Thomas saw him and said, my Lord and my God. He said, Oshie, you got it. That's revelation. He says, my Lord and my words, God. He didn't correct him. He said, you got it. All of them saw him. They bowed down and worshipped instantly. His brothers, or mother, or everybody. That man is alive. That is inside of you. Hallelujah. <laughs> He is actually alive and is inside of you. Forget all these every day, every day, every day, every day. People are talking outside. Hey, he said, because they are suffering the war. Some people are dying in Ukraine. If God, he's not saying that one. He said, ah, if God is real, why can't God just make the man that was that killed his wife make his neck to break? You know, because God is now your mate. He's in win. There will be certain leg for people. See, ah, you beat your wife. You walk your not set leg, like your leg can break. You that you are talking, that you have been breaking people's heart and the same rubbish all these years. If they treated the man the same way that you you are talking, say they never don't they never break your neck. Say they won't have broken your own neck. A merciful God looking at you and giving you time to repent. You are saying his mercy is proof that he does not exist. And you ask we say it one day in front of him. Don't worry, maybe you still die. You will see it in front of him. You are taking his mercy as proof that he does not know what he's doing. But see, God is not God is not sluggish with justice. It's just that the man wants everybody to repent. He wants everybody to repent, so he will give you time. The evil doers will be give, doing evil. He loves them. He's giving them time. Jesus is alive. Touch yourself and you think... This thing you are touching just popped into existence. Someone made it. And that person that made it is alive and is inside of you. He's not even alive in some kind of distant sense. Like when I think about it, I'm sorry. Like there's no way I cannot be a Christian. The Islamic proposition does not appeal to me. They say there's a God that is so great, he's so great that he's so far, 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 far from us. How does he answer prayer? Don't think about it. How does he answer prayer? You say, he's so far. He's so far. He's not even in this world. He's so far. He's so far. Nobody should say that. They're like, God, okay. How does he answer prayer? Will he not come down to answer the prayer? You say, no, God is so far. Is that one a maximally great God? I can imagine a God greater than that God. 
I can imagine a God greater than a God that is so far that we cannot touch him, that all of us are his slaves, we're his servants, we should not call ourselves his children, and whatever he wants to do is what he wants to do. He is so, he can decide whatever he wants to do to the point where he can decide to deceive an unbeliever and do whatever he wants. I can imagine a God greater than that. But I can imagine a God that is so great that is outside of time, but is also so great that is also inside of time at the same time. <laughs> me, I know a God that is outside and greater and beyond me, yet is inside of me and is alive inside of me. I know a God that is so far and far above all humanity, yet he suffered like us and knows what we go through. Listen to me. Hmm? This Jesus that you have chosen to serve, whatever it is that you are going through, when, whatever it is that you are going through, hmm? you can be rest assured of something. That he knows exactly what you are going through. Not in the sense of he's omniscient or he can know all things and all that. He has actually been where you are now. Literally. You are not alone and you have never been alone. He knows exactly what you are going through right now. He knows exactly what you are going through right now. And so, it cannot be that he knows what you are going through and he has left you to suffer for nothing. No. That is why you have a hope. That is why you can take anything. You can take anything. The reason why you can take anything is because you know that Christ is in you and Christ is with you. That's why the things of the earth that are moving and changing cannot get to you because you know that you're a child of God. But not for okay. Because you know that you're a child of God and Christ is in you and Christ is with you and nothing can ever make him leave you. You have to recognize that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are we safe? So that was together. You have to recognize that. That is how we know this. And that is the job of the church. To continue to stabilize you. To stabilize you in your faith. To make sure that, you know, nothing makes your faith become of no effect. So that your faith does not become in vain. So that your faith does not become in vain. That is the work of the church. We must never allow the world to condition us out of what our job is. Listen to me. Like I said last week Sunday, the issue going on now in the body or in the world generally is that conviction is lacking. Conviction is lacking. Conviction is lacking. You need to be confident. You need to be sure that what you have believed is the truth. And it is the truth. There is no alternative out there. That's why these men did all that they were doing. They were not delusional. Paul had a life before Christianity. He could have been many other things if he wanted to be. It's not because he ran mad. This thing is worth dying for. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to your Jesus. Hold on to your Jesus. The world will want to braggado you. To make you feel like there's something wrong with you. Listen to me. They are the ones that something is wrong with. 
They are the ones that something is wrong with. You want to bragado you and say, eh, all you these Christians, all you these Christians, kiniko, kiniko, and all that and all that. See, they are the ones that something is wrong with. This thing that you have believed is the truth. It is the truth. It is the truth. Chapter 4 starts a new thought. I, just, I think I'll stop it. Let me not go into it because if I start, you know, it's a, it's a new thought. Hallelujah. Praise God. Church, I was together. Hold your faith. You too. Don't be looking for things that sound good, that sound nice. Look at the Apostle Paul say, he say a lot of people will be swept away. And many ministers are also going to fall. Because people who have itchy ears. People that have itchy ears have a way of conditioning ministers. You too, stop looking for what is not good for you. Stay with what is good for you. When they are preaching the gospel and it seems boring, listen to me. That is where your life is. Stay there. Stop looking for exciting things out there. Stop looking for exciting new things, exciting new places. You like that place. You like that presentation. You like what is nice and all that and all that. See, you are just causing problems for yourself. People who are the ones that are looking for those things are people usually the ones that have the least conviction. Let me tell you something that people don't realize. You see the way the world has been since the last 50, 60 years. Hmm? The 50, 60, 70 years. Where everywhere has been relatively stable. Relatively stable. There is no kirakita. There is no running around coming in. There is no global upheaval and all those kinds of things. Hmm. Listen to me. The world will not always be like that. The world will not always be like this. The world will not always be like this. Recently, I went for a conference. Let me tell you one. Recently, I worked on a conference. Detailed statistics. Uh, most of the bacteria and the viruses that are going around now, they are getting used to all the antibiotics. Scientists are projecting that this time will come where some bacteria will come out. That it will spread and there will be no antibiotic that can solve, that can solve it. We had small COVID. People panicked and everything. Ask our ancestors about things like the Spanish flu that kills one third of human population. Because every country is afraid of nuclear war and all that, if not fought war. Ask them how World War was. Where all the countries, they will just be killing people. The world will not always be like this, where we will have the luxury of saying, I want to go to the church that has fine lights. I want to go to the church where there is good packaging. They will see that things get terrible. Persecution can come. Ask Christians in the north what it is like. You must stay with your convictions. If not, when those times come, you will just be lost. Tell the people in the world, when I'm saying you now, you know, tell people. Be passionate about people. See the way Paul was concerned for the faith of other people. Have that same concern for people too. Jesus actually died. And see, forget all this progressive Christianity. All of us will still go to heaven. See, all of us will not go to heaven. No. This thing is not a joke. <laughs> 
want all of us to go to heaven. Forget all progressive business. It is nice. Me self, I sometimes I look at it and I you know I read some books and I read some of that. I'm like, ah, God, that I just wish. I just wish it was true. And it is not true. Let us warn every man. Ego gonna be careful. This is hellfire you are playing with. Also, we will not cease to warn every man day and night. Warn people around you. Let them know. Jesus is the way. He is the truth and is the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. If he was lying, he will not rise up again. If it was not true, he will not rise up again. And there is no way you can walk around Jesus' resurrection. It's too late. Jesus did it in such a way. He dropped the evidence. He dropped the banger in such a way that even 2,000 years after, the best you can say is, I don't know how it happened. I shall don't believe. And your punishment will be just. Sure you know. No, nobody's doing you. So no man can say the evidence was not good enough. Unless they did not preach the gospel to you. You understand that? Warn every man. And you too, hold your faith and strengthen it. Stay with what is good for you. Stay with the gospel. Stay with the basics. Stay with God's word. Stay with God's word. I know all those flashy things are exciting and all that. But see, stay with God's word. Be careful of what you are listening to. Don't accept philosophies that will start making you to be asking stupid questions. Don't entertain ideas that are or entertain cultures that the job of that culture is to slowly make you a tepid believer slowly to be killing your fire gradually until the point where you turn back and your faith has become in vain no job no money no position in this life no relationship in this life no ideas in this life will be good and exciting enough to make us want to draw back from the love of God or reject the love of God. We stand against it. We refuse it. Nothing. We stand firm with what is important. And we will warn every man at every point in time. Praise God. So shall we together? This is the essence of the church. To strengthen your faith. You know, we, sometimes we get carried away with the community part and the social part of church, but this is the essence of the church to strengthen your faith. And that's what I will, everything we are doing must be must be yes. There's a, a there's a community part that we cannot defend. Obviously, right? All those things are important. But even the community safe is supposed to be designed to further strengthen your faith. Ah, God, may this church never get to the point where we are doing all kinds of stuff and people's faith are not being strengthened again. People are just coming for community. God, may we never get to that point. We never get to that point. We never forget. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Just bow your head and let's pray. 
Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.